What's up, everybody? You guys good? You doing well? Hey, I would like to extend, I don't know if Jesse did this or not, but a very warm welcome. Anybody here tonight for the first time, thank you for being here. We love you guys. Glad that you're here. Make sure you grab one of the complimentary mugs from the info table on your way out. You can drink hot chocolate in that thing for fall. You can even put pens in it. Put it on your desk, very multifunctional, very trendy. Don't miss out, so grab that. I also want to say hello to anybody who might be watching this online. Please know that you are a part of this ministry, and please know that you have been prayed for. And I believe with all my heart, if you're watching this, which you are watching this, that uh, it's not coincidence, because God does not do coincidence. He loves you so much and has so much in store for you. That's one of the good things about God, is he's an infinite well of peace to know, to know, of joy to have, and of life to live, and you will never reach the end of his goodness, and you will never escape his grace, just in case anybody watching needs to hear that. And so with that said, let me welcome the rest of you to night three of our relationship series, I Think I Want to Marry You. All right, so turn to somebody around you and say, I think I want to marry you, unless that is awkward for some reason that I don't know about. <laughs> this has been a good series so far. All right, that's enough. Exercise is over. Two weeks ago, we... Uh, we talked about being a man of God in a godly marriage and kind of what that looks like. And then last week, Jesse just about brought the house down, giving a message about dating. Like, yeah, I'm married, and I left that feeling convicted. It was that good. So if you missed any of those, go check them out online. I want to encourage you in that direction. And now I'm going to tell you what the secondary topic for tonight is, just to warn you up front so you can leave if you want to leave. But you don't want to leave, I promise you. The secondary topic for tonight is pornography and sexual immorality. You've been warned. The secondary topic for tonight is pornography and sexual immorality. The primary topic for tonight is grace, freedom, love, and a God who has far more in store for you than you may ever realize in your time on earth. And tonight is going to bring him glory by bringing much needed and very sobering truth about a very taboo topic through the avenue of love and honesty. And in doing so, I believe with all my heart, it will spark journeys towards final and true freedom for a lot of people in here. In fact, I've heard from God this week, I really believe that I did, that that is exactly what's going to happen. So believe it, be expectant, and you will see awesome things, and you will see chains fall off of your wrist in the next 45 minutes. 45 minutes from now, this topic will no longer be taboo. It won't, and that's exactly what the enemy does not want. Because with a topic like this, pornography, sexual immorality, when it's in the dark, Darkness, that's when it has power to destroy your life. But as soon as it's brought to the light, as soon as it's talked about, it loses all of its authority, like a Wizard of Oz effect, all right? And so that's what's happening in this place. The enemy is not happy about it, but we are taking new ground for the kingdom of God tonight. So buckle up and get ready, because here we go. Verse number one for the night, Ephesians chapter 5, 10 and 11, Paul says this, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness, but rather, what? Expose them. Bringing evil to the light where it loses its power is exactly what we are doing tonight. And understand, we're not talking about this topic to be like relevant or edgy or to have some kind of shock factor. I promise you, I've done work in my heart this week. There's not going to be a drop of arrogance behind anything that I say tonight. I have nothing but humility and urgency and brokenness for anybody in this room, outside of this room, who is in sexual bondage or struggling with a sexual sin because I've been there for years. I was there, okay? And so there's my heart for you on display to see right from the, from the very beginning. I'm not wearing a cape, and I'm not, not, I'm not pretending to be. I'm just a guy who has lived in this, and by the grace of God has been pulled out of this and saved from it, okay? And I, I'm just a pastor that loves what I do. I love God. I love getting to teach the Bible. I now am madly in love with a beautiful wife who, by the way, I think is a total babe and always will be. I'm a husband, I'm a friend, I'm a pastor, hopefully one day I'll be a dad and maybe a puppy owner in the near future. <laughs> We're praying about it. 
But even above that, man, I'm just sick of seeing my generation fall prey to the damage that this causes while our culture, by and large, through ignorance and passivity, sits back and does nothing about it. I'm sick and tired of it, and so tonight might be intense, but tonight is going to be so healthy and so challenging for a lot of us in this room because this is not just a male thing anymore. One in three people who struggle with pornography are female, and so all that means, whoever you are tonight, male or female, please know you are far less alone than you think you are. You are not alone after all when it comes to this, and so breathe out. Breathe out right now. I just want to say two things before we get going. Number one, whether you struggle with this or not, you are affected by it. This is a growing, glorified sex trade industry, and you are affected by it. And you will get more out of this than you think you will, and tonight is a good night to take notes, I promise you. You see this board, you're wondering what's underneath it. You might find out 10 minutes from now. A good night to take notes. That's number one. Number two, and much more importantly, tonight is guilt-free and shame-free. Because I don't know you, but here's what I know about you, that if you're struggling with any kind of sexual sin, you need no help from me to feel shame or guilt about it. Between the lies that Satan tells you and the lies that you tell yourself that you believe, you're doing just fine on your own, feeling condemnation, shame, and guilt. But please understand that is not the heart of your Heavenly Father. Condemnation does not come from God. It does not, it does not liberate, it oppresses. And condemnation is stupid and pointless guilt that does nothing but pull you back to keep you wallowing in the guilt and shame that you experience in the immediate aftermath of falling short or screwing up. And it has no benefits for you or anybody else in your life. Condemnation nation is stupid and straight from the pit of hell, not from God. Conviction, on the other hand, is a beautiful thing that is from God. Conviction challenges you, woos you, calls to you, pulls you forward, and that right there is the distinction between condemnation and conviction so that you can sniff it out the next time it's happening to you. That condemnation pulls you backwards, conviction pulls you forwards into the more that God has in store for you, sometimes gently and sometimes with urgency and some ferociousness because your heavenly father loves you just that much. And so if you're in here tonight and you're a work in progress, you're in the right place. If you're watching this online and you're a work in progress, you're watching the right sermon because God loves with a different kind of love than how we love. It's called unconditional so you might think that you need to earn his love. You might think you might need to go clean up your act so that you can then approach God. You might be under the impression that you've gone too far, struggled for too long, seen too many dark things, engaged in too many dark activities, and therefore you've somehow ruined God's plan or God's will for your life. But let me just set you free by simply telling you this. You are not that powerful. And you need to get over yourself and accept grace because you're not that good even at sinning. Because you are not loved because you can perform accordingly. You're unconditionally loved because God is who he says he is and murdered your sin by being murdered on a cross. Therefore, he is not in love with the future version of you that no longer is struggling with A, B, or C. You have a heavenly father, a God who enters right into the middle of your mess to heal you from the inside out. God is in love with the broken version of you sitting in your chair tonight. That is exactly where he meets you, but understand he loves you way too much to let you stay that way. And he will convict. But do not fear Conviction. Do not fear conviction. And so this might be intense. It might make some of you uncomfortable. It might make some of you mad. Understand that's not my intention or my heart. Please hear my heart on that. Not my intention. But if it does, then man, what, what a small price to pay if it means sparking journeys towards true freedom for other people in this room. And what a small price to pay if it means taking a small step towards producing a generation that shatters and changes marriage and divorce statistics and sets a new standard for love. What a small, small price to pay if that's the case. And so whatever your struggle is that you brought in here tonight, understand that God sits over it and goes, I covered it. Amen? Okay, so... With that filter and that reminder of grace, that you are white as snow, not because of your record, but because of Jesus' record, you're undefeated, and that's how God sees you. Let's talk truth, and let's talk reality. 
And let's start with this question right here. Really think about this question. Who do you really think has more for you in regards to sex, love, and intimacy? God or the world? Who has more in store for you in regards to an exciting sex life? God or porn websites? Who has more in store for you? Because here's what I know. Our world is currently obsessed with sex and also very unfulfilled and very unsatisfied in it, which is a dangerous recipe for destruction because it makes us desperate and willing to turn to just about anything, which is exactly what we're seeing right now. And so who has more in store for you in regards to marriage, love, intimacy, and sex? A world who still can't seem to figure it out or the God who designed it in the first place and gave it to you as a wonderful, wonderful gift? Who has more in store for you? I want to build a case that does exactly what that Ephesians 5 verse says. It exposes evil and darkness through the avenue of grace and truth. And I've learned a lot of things from Resources, people who are a lot smarter than I am. Resources, websites like fightthenewdrug.com, a YouTube channel called Your Brain on Porn, and pastors like Sean Johnson, Matt Chandler, Andy Stanley. And then I've, I've been, God's been gracious to me this week. I really feel like he's given me some revelation and insight about this topic relevant to our generation that I'm excited to, to share with you. And so here we go. We're going to start, if you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Go ahead and go there. We're just going to read three verses, 18 through 20. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Starting in 18, he says this, flee from sexual immorality. So right there, the Greek word for sexual immorality is the word pornea, pornea, which obviously is where we get pornography. So literally, it could be translated flee from pornography. But he makes it a little bit more overarching to include more things. He says, flee from all sexual immorality. Okay, why, Paul? Well, because all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You, Christian, are not your own. You have been bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And so here's what this is saying. Here's what this is saying. Of all the sin that's out there that you can go get involved with, there is one that is separate and kind of stands apart from the rest in regards to how much damage it can cause you at the soul level, and it is sexual sin, which means this right here. Sex is not just physical. It will give to you or it will rob you. It will either build you or harm you in the deepest way possible. And if you treat sexual matters like they are simply just physical, you are going to hurt yourself. You're going to harm yourself in a deeper kind of way than you ever bargained for. The world teaches, oh, it's just physical, it's just sex, it's just hooking up, it's just pornography, it's just physical. But think with me for a second. If that's true, why is it that children who are sexually abused have such a hard time finding freedom from it later in life? And why is it that something like rape is exponentially more painful and causes way more harm than simply just getting beat up? Like if it's just physical, you just got beat up, report it, move on. But it's not that easy, is it? Because it's not just physical. And why is it that men with deep sexual issues can often trace those issues back to other issues connected to something that happened to them a long time ago? And why is it that people who struggle with pornography are under so much shame that it's easier for people to admit to murder than it is for people to admit that they looked at pornography? And why is it that when you break up with a boyfriend or girlfriend that you've been sleeping with, that it comes with an emotional pain that feels like your soul is being ripped in half? It's because sex is not just physical, is it? And if you treat it like just a physical thing, at the soul level, the deepest part of who you are, you will wreak havoc. In the proper context, it can build you up in a beautiful way. Out of context, it can, it can hurt you guys. It can hurt you in a way that you never bargained for, which is why Paul is telling us it's different. It's set apart. So flee from sexual immorality. So here's what happens when you look at porn. I'm going to get nerdy with you for just about 10 minutes, okay? But bear with me. I'm going to make it interesting. 
and this is going to be worth your while, okay? So focus, focus up here, okay? Here's, I'm going to build a case really quick. Here's what happens when you look at porn. Let's just start from square one, from the very beginning, so we're all on the same page. You have a brain, correct? You have a brain? Your brain, I hope, if you don't, raise your hand, somebody will help you. Your brain is amazing, by the way, and your brain is constantly changing, it has a characteristic that scientists, really smart people, call neuroplasticity. That's a word you got to remember. Neuroplasticity. Neuro meaning brain. Plasticity meaning changeability. Your brain changes. Okay, so what changes it? Well, things that you hear, things that you touch, smell, taste, things that you see. Basically, your brain is like an ongoing game of Tetris, and every single new piece is like a new stimulus that is taken in via one of your five senses. This is why, like, literally, physically, mentally, you feel different after an hour of listening to worship music than you do after an hour of listening to Lil Wayne or Eminem, right? Like, you really, like, you feel different because your brain is neuroplastic, and God Designed it that way. I think I said Blaine. Your brain is neuroplastic, and God designed it that way. And so, let me see. So, fix your eyes up here. Hopefully, there we go. Give it up for CM and Sophie for all their artistic work. This is beautiful. (laughs) Okay, so this is dopamine right here. It makes you feel good. All right, this is going to make more sense in a minute. I promise you, just stay with me. So when you do something good in life, something quote-unquote life-promoting, like you get an A on a test or you get a job promotion or you hang out with people that you love or you watch a sunset, you watch the Broncos win the Super Bowl, like, yeah, like you, you eat a perfectly cooked steak and lobster tail, you fall in love or you go on a run, you exercise, you do something good, your brain rewards you with dopamine, this chemical that makes you feel good, makes you feel alive, makes you passionate about your life. And so anytime you've ever felt that way, anytime you've ever felt great in your life, it's because dopamine has been released in your brain and God designed it this way. This is a good thing. We love dopamine, okay? We love it. And so now direct your focus down here. We'll call this guy Barnabas Stenson. Barney. And when it comes to life, Barney is just kicking butt, okay? He's kicking butt. He's firing on all cylinders. Barney is crushing life, okay? And so Barney, and notice it's because he makes good decisions. And so Barney wakes up in the morning, and he goes on a run or goes to the gym, and his brain releases some dopamine, and consequently he feels good and he feels alive. And so he comes home, he takes a shower, gets dressed, and heads off to work, where he works hard, and he's passionate about what he does, and he contributes to making the world a better place, and consequently, his brain releases dopamine, and he feels good, and he feels alive. And then he packs up his briefcase, and he goes home to his beautiful wife, who is also a stick figure, and within the confines of marriage, they obey God when he says, be fruitful and multiply, and they do it, okay? They have sex. This is, a, this is a system God designed, okay, within the right context. And his brain also releases oxytocin, the chemical that makes him more passionate about his wife, and they fall in love more because of that. You can giggle if you want. But his brain also releases dopamine. He's feeling really good, and he's feeling really excited to be alive, and then they cuddle, and they fall asleep. And then he wakes up the next morning, and they do it, and he does it again. They do. (laughs) Can I get an amen from anybody in the room? (laughs) And this, (laughs) this is a good system designed by a good God. But like all of God's good systems, sin can come along and hijack it. And so let me ask you this question right here. What happens when pornography is introduced into Barney's day? The answer is the exact same thing that happens when heroin is introduced into Barney's day. You look at porn, your brain releases an intense amount, an intense rush of that dopamine causing you to feel really awesome, which is why you do it. But because of neuroplasticity, your brain then responds to it by changing physically. 
and it grows tolerant to this overwhelming amount of dopamine that it's experiencing. It gets used to it. It gets spoiled in a lot of ways because it gets the reward without having to work for it or earn it. And now, because of tolerance, the next time you look at porn, more dopamine now is required to give you the same feeling and experience as just the time before. And over time, your brain learns that in order to feel good, whether that means an orgasm, yeah, I said it in church, say something, whether it means that, whether it means a high from a drug, whether it means the, the thrill or rush of looking at hundreds of sexual videos and images with just the click of a button, your brain learns that, okay, in order to get to this destination of feeling good, this destination of dopamine, I take the neural path of pornography to get there. Physically in your brain, blazing that trail more and more every single time you do it. Literally, it works the same neural circuit that heroin and cocaine do, leading you to building tolerance and leading you to then having withdrawals when you stop looking at it, or if it's a drug, when you stop using it. Why? Because it created addiction pathways and connected the reward to the behavior that got you there, and this is why you now need a larger amount of pornography or a more intense version of pornography or something even beyond that to give you the same feeling and the same experience that you had before. I heard somebody say pornography is dangerous because it takes you further than you ever wanted to go, causes you to stay longer than you ever wanted to stay, and makes you pay far more than you ever wanted to pay. And by the time you realize it's actually dangerous, the damage has already been done. And so if you're in here and you're still not convinced that you might be addicted, it might be time to ask yourself why it's been one, two, three, five years and you still haven't stopped doing it. 40 million people a day look at pornography. One in every three of them is female. So this is not just a guy thing. This year, the pornography industry will take in more money than Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL combined. Way more money. Like it's not like close. It used to be close. Now it's way more. Tonight, during this service, more people will visit pornographic websites than will go on Twitter, Netflix, and Amazon combined. This is the new normal. This is Satan's playground. Almost like when it comes to sex, it's almost like he owns the world. Sexual immorality is the domain that he has built his house on, okay? And so by even talking about this, we're doing exactly what he doesn't want us to do and bringing it to light, it's exposing it for what it really is, where it loses all of its power. And I've, had, I've been having these little visions all week where doing exactly what we're doing here and taking ground for the kingdom of God, taking it back, what's been stolen from us. It's kind of like we're wandering onto Satan's yard and egging his house as a group of young adults. It's kind of like what we're doing. It's like that, and he, like, we're trespassing to him, okay? Like, you can poke at a lot of things. Like, we can preach callings and giftings and your dreams and grace and hope, but talk about this. He does not like that. But everywhere that we step our feet, God gives us to claim for his kingdom. Understand that God wants ground taken back. And be reminded, God is not mad at you. We're not egging your spiritual house. God is righteously pissed off, but not at you. At sin and at an enemy that has used this specific sin to wreak havoc and damage the lives of so many of his children. Because it is powerful enough to take down nations. Historically, it has. Look at this quote. This is, this is a guy named Dr. Satinover of Princeton University. He said this about porn to a U.S. Senate committee. It is as though we have devised a form of heroin 100 times more potent, usable in the privacy of one's own home, and injected directly into the brain through the eyes. The Internet is now the biggest drug dealer in the entire world. This is the new normal. And so... Oh, I got the turn pretty much right. It has to line up with the tape on the stage, so I practiced it. So, <laughs> all right, pay attention. So this is, this is you when you look 
at pornography, your brain releases dopamine. I'll put like fireworks around it because we love dopamine, right? Consequently, you feel great, all right? Which causes you to go back to the source. Watching pornography again, which causes more dopamine to be released in your brain, which makes you happy again. Not quite as happy as before, but it's better than what you feel when you're not looking at it, which drives you back to porn, which brings you to more dopamine. And this cycle just continues and continues until literally it starts to blaze physical trails in your brain, teaching your brain that it reaches a certain feel-good destination via the neuropath of pornography. And now, when you're just out and about on your day, at work, or at the gym, or at church, or at school, whatever it is you're doing, you I'll draw a sad face. But for some reason, you're not as happy as you noticed you used to be a year ago, two years ago. And for some reason, even when you hang out with people that you love, you can't quite receive or feel love in the same way that you used to. Suddenly, you don't think you're attractive anymore. Suddenly, you're, you're depressed and you're anxious and you're restless because your brain, which is used to having a new amount of dopamine to function properly, no longer has it because you're not using the drug at the moment. And so everything you do, everything you see sparks pornography in your brain. You go to the gym and there's a girl in yoga pants. You're just trying to watch the freaking Broncos game and a Victoria's Secret commercial comes on and you look away but you saw it for a split second and that was all that it took and now it has you but you're okay with it because you'll do anything to feel normal again. And in 2016 when there's sexually explicit stuff everywhere you go, TV shows, movies, ads, billboards, New York Times best-selling books. Yeah, I said that too. Everything reminds you. And it drives you back to the source. You know what that does? That releases more dopamine in your brain. Brings you back here. Falling deeper and deeper and deeper into this cycle. And on top of that, when you look at porn, basically what you do is masturbate and have an orgasm. Yeah, I said that to you. Get your giggles out. So we'll draw that right there. And you know what that does? Releases exponentially more of this, which drives this more and more until it's not just something you engage in, it is now a part of who you are. You now need it in order to function. And on top of that, this is all happening in the frontal lobe of your brain. And just quick fun fact, that's the part of your brain in, in charge of making decisions. So that's the part of your brain that would say, hey, that's a good idea, let's do that. Or that over there, that's a bad idea, so stay away from that. So literally, the part of your brain that you would use to get yourself out of this is now broken and damaged. And the scary, what's scary is that reality, after a while, reality becomes boring. The real thing becomes boring. Normal becomes mundane. John Mayer did um, an interview. Let me see. Preston, you can grab this. Thanks, Keaton. John Mayer did an interview with Playboy magazine a few years ago. How many of you bought it to read it? Ah, Okay, good. <laughs> no inappropriate images were viewed in the reading of this article. I give you my word. John Mayer was interviewed, and I love John Mayer, not to throw him under the bus, but this explains exactly what we're talking about. Because basically in his interview, he's praising and promoting internet pornography. Playboy asks him this. They say, you seem very fond of pornography, John Mayer. Well, when I watch porn... If it's not hot enough, I'll make up backstories in my mind. My biggest dream is to write pornography. Playboy. So masturbation for you is as good as sex? John Mayer. Absolutely. Because during sex, I'm basically just running through a film strip up here anyways. I'm still technically masturbating. See, that's what you do when you're 30, 31, or 32. This is my problem now. Because rather than meet somebody new, I would rather go home and replay the experiences I've already had. Playboy, you'd rather masturbate to an ex-girlfriend than meet somebody new? 
John Mayer, yeah. What that explains is that I'm more comfortable in my imagination than I am in actual human discovery. The best days of my life are when I've dreamed about a sexual encounter with somebody I've already been with. So this is John Mayer, a guy who is dating what our culture would call the most attractive women in the world, much like a modern-day Solomon can have anybody he wants, basically, whenever he wants. And John Mayer has rewired his brain so much retrained his brain so much, so much neuroplasticity has taken place that he has come to the conclusion that, yeah, I'd rather be by myself in my bedroom looking at a 2D image on a computer screen than having sex with an actual 3D woman. And a lot of people, a lot of Christians will spend years looking at porn, injecting this brand new drug straight into their brains in the privacy of their own homes while nobody knows. And then they'll get married and they'll think that somehow they can leave behind this cycle that they fed and fed and fed and that it's just going to go away. And then they find out that it doesn't. And they're trying to have sex with their spouse and all they can think about is images and videos that they've seen before. And now an actual human being gives you 10% of the satisfaction that your computer screen does, which is why a lot of secular articles are now coming out telling couples like, oh, you should watch porn together before you have sex. Why? They say, oh, because it'll make it more exciting. You want to know what the truth is? It's because for a lot of those couples, they can no longer have sex unless they watch porn together because just being by themselves with each other is no longer exciting enough to get the sparks flying, if you catch my drift. Pornography There's a reason Paul says that this is a different kind of monster. You do not just flirt with this. This is shooting bullets straight into your brain. You do not flirt with something like sexual immorality. I use this example on the retreat, but I'm going to use it again because it fits so well with this. But I got this from Matt Chandler. He, he made the, the connection. Anybody in here ever seen the TV show, When Wild Animals Attack? Have you seen that? You know what I'm talking about? Basically, they have a bunch of clips of people usually doing stupid things about, around wild animals, which is why you kind of always root for the animals in every clip that you see. And, um, and the wild animals attack them. You want to know why? Because they're wild animals, and that's what they do. And there's one clip I'll never forget. It, it, it involves this fully grown male lion in a studio. And there's this girl in like a bikini leaning up against the lion and they're taking photos. And the lion's like there for an exotic effect. I don't, I don't know why you need a lion in that picture. But after they take some photos, the lion attacks her, turns on her. And everybody is shocked. Like, oh my gosh, like that's not supposed to, he's not supposed to do that. He's a nice lion. And you're sitting there watching it like, yes, he attacked her. You know why? Because he's an apex predator. God made him, gave him teeth and an appetite, set him loose on planet Earth and said, kill and eat things. That is now your one and only job. (laughs) And everybody's so shocked. Oh, he's tame. You can lean up against him. Watch a little porn here, a little porn there. Do a little heroin here, a little heroin there. Fill in the blank with whatever habitual struggle it might be for you. But eventually, bro, a lion is going to do what a lion does, which is turn on you. And when it does, you will not win. You're not, you're not the exception. You're the rule when it comes to facing a lion head on. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, and a lion will do what a lion does every single time. You want to have an affair one day? Keep sleeping around and see what happens as you train your brain to always be looking ahead to your next sexual partner. You want to get married and not even be able to make it through your honeymoon before during sex you're starting to picture old videos and images because that's the only way? Keep watching pornography. Watch what happens. And I say this not to make you giggle, but because this is a sad reality right now. Men in this room, you want to experience or have erectile dysfunction by the age of 30? Keep watching pornography and be a part of that growing statistic. A lion always does what a lion does. You do not flirt with it. 
You do not tame it and keep it in some kind of way as a pet thinking I've got this under control. See, this, this is so unfortunate, guys, because for a lot of us, man, it starts in innocence, like you're 10 or 11 years old and you see a movie scene or you see an image in a magazine and all of a sudden, sparks something. And you know and you feel this cycle that I drew up here all too well. And if you're in here tonight and you don't struggle with this, praise God that you don't struggle with this. Praise God. And please do not throw stones. And please do not make somebody pay for being a fallen person living in a fallen world because I promise you, you have your junk too. We're all in this together. And if you struggle with pornography or any other bit of sexual immorality, you're not a bad person. You're just broken and you're stuck. So let's get you unstuck. Because over time, neuroplasticity has taken place in your brain. Neuroplasticity has combined with pornography and turned your brain into something God never intended it to be. Something less, something counterfeit. But understand this, and if you hear anything tonight, make it this. If you have a highlighter, write this in big bold letters over all the other notes that you've taken so far tonight. That what is impossible with man becomes possible with God. Neuroplasticity combined with sexual immorality to make your brain something less than what God intended for you. Your life, your heart, your soul, less than what God intended for you. But now neuroplasticity and the gospel can combine to rewire it back in the other direction because it's something that works both ways. I think God saw that with great forethought and designed it that way. And I promise you, he can rewire your brain to love again, to feel and experience life the way you used to feel and experience life. Before this drug that you really didn't know was a drug came into your life like a lion. And by the time you realized it was actually dangerous, the damage was already there, but God can undo that. And I don't just say that because I read it in the Bible and the Bible says so. I say it because I've experienced it in my own life and I've read articles and videos of hundreds of other people who have the exact same story. This is science, but this is also the Bible. Go to Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. Very famous verses you've probably heard before, but let's read it in context of everything that we've been talking about. Romans 12, starting in verse one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. He's saying exactly what Paul said. Actually, this is Paul, and he's saying it again. He's saying to the Romans what he said to the church in Corinth, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. Worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. The rewiring of your brain then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is for you, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When it comes to God's will for your life, hear me. When it comes to his will for your future sex life, I know that sounds funny to say, but this was his idea. And when it comes to his will, it is good, pleasing, and perfect, and so much better than anything the world is trying to offer you. And if you're still under the impression that God is some kind of cosmic killjoy party pooper up in the sky who just wants to steal from you and rob your fun away from you, you need to get that nonsense out of your head right now and just think logically for 10 seconds. Step back and look at it because the world has a pattern when it comes to sex. And it will train wreck you. You are not the exception. It has train wrecked millions of people who have gone before you. And so come before God and take whatever rights that you might be under the impression that you have in front of a living God and lay them down at his feet. Surrender your will for your life, for your relationships, for your future husband or wife, for your future sex life. Surrender them, lay those things down at his feet and make the trade and come beneath his authority and his will for your life, which by the way is what again? Good, pleasing, and perfect. In case you're wondering, well, what's the catch? There's not one. 
You are not responsible for renewing your mind, rewiring your brain, or transforming your heart. You can't do that. Behavior modification modifies your behavior, but it does not transform you. God is in charge of doing that. At least according to Romans chapter 12, he's the one who transforms you. He's the one who renews your mind, but you have onus in this equation as well to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice while not conforming to the patterns of this world so that you can just watch as he transforms you and makes you new and refreshes your soul and renews your mind and brings you back to his original intention. If you find yourself not enjoying life the way you used to, ask yourself, is this issue why? So how do you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice? I'll just say three things and then we're gonna worship. Just three things really quick because I wanna leave you with something. And by the way, when it comes to running away from a lion that is chasing you, wanting to eat you, you can't run fast enough, correct? We can all agree. So when it comes to taking care of this issue, there's no such thing as being legalistic. When it comes to a monster, a bear, a lion, like this specific sin. It's just called wisdom or not being dumb. Use whatever one of those you want. And so three things, here we go. Number one, eliminate the avenues of attack. You have a card on your chair, it has resources. One of them, fightthenewdrug.com. If you wanna learn more about everything we've been talking about tonight, and, and um, I wanna point you in that direction, I think it was just four guys in college who one day decided enough's enough, and this is gonna take down our world and our generation and we wanna do something about it. And so they made a website and I'm really proud of them because it's an awesome site. And it is changing the world. And I just wanna point you in that direction. You'll also see Triple X Church and Covenant Eyes and the website's right on that card. And basically what that is, it's a replacement browser. It replaces Safari or Chrome on your phone, laptop, iPad, or all three. And basically it won't let you look at anything you shouldn't be looking at and it'll block any kind of pop-ups. It, it, it takes care of the temptation for you. And even better than that, it lets you put in emails of people that you want to keep you accountable. And so even if you try to look at something you shouldn't be looking at, it will send them an email with everything that you tried to look at, not so they can call you and shame you, but so that they can come alongside of you and build you up and pray for you to make sure that you, not, you don't fall into condemnation, but you fall forward and get picked up by your heavenly father into conviction that is wooing you forward into something better. My senior year of college, I had a small group and all of us did that. And we were going through filling out all the emails, each other's emails for accountability. I had one friend and he only put one email and it was his mom's. All right, so now a reasonable person would look at that situation and think, well, that is the stupidest thing you could ever do right there. But for him, freedom began that afternoon. Because that right there is an unreasonable man who understands that in order to shake off things like this and all the sin that entangles you to properly walk in the calling that God has for you, you need to be an unreasonable man and live the kind of life that demands an explanation from an observer on the outside looking in because only those kind of men and women will truly find freedom from something like this, to walk in freedom and walk in their calling. Some of you have contacts in your phone that you just need to delete because it's an avenue of attack. And when temptation comes, which it will again, like right now, you just need to, you click it, you click edit in the top right corner, you scroll to the bottom and you click delete contact right on your phone. And you might think, ah, yeah, but, I'll be fine next time. I can fight it. Okay. But eventually a lion does what a lion does. For some of you, it's just a scene that you need to stay away from because you know if you go to that specific party or that specific house, you know the same thing is going to happen that happens every single time you go there. And by not going, you're not being weak. You're being wise. There's nothing unmanly about saying no and staying away from something you know you're not strong enough to handle. 
In fact, that, I would argue that's one of the manliest things that you can do. Remove the avenues of attack. Number two, speak truth over your brain, body, and soul. Speaking truth, honestly, part of speaking truth just means confession and just understand confession is not for God so that he can like hear you and be like, oh, I heard it, you're clean, go ahead. It's for you. Confession is for you, the same concept as this sermon because what is in the darkness and gets brought to light loses its power over your life. And so find somebody that you can confess things to, that you can talk about stuff like this with, that you can call moments before you're about to fall or better yet, the moment after you fall. Speaking truth over your life and then find Bible verses. Things like Romans 6.14, sin no longer has dominion over your life. Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 1 John 1.7, that says when sin is brought to light, it loses all power. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality. Google a hundred more and speak them over your life until they make the trip from here to here and are not just Bible verses that you memorize, but they become internalized and become a part of you. Because here's what I can promise you. Temptations are going to rear their ugly faces again, no matter how much protection you put up to block the avenues of attack because we're Christians in the United States in 2016 and the only way you can completely avoid it is like if you move to Montana and build a tree house and live in it and never come out but you're not going to do that because as Christians we're not called to be of the world but we are called to be in it and in it you will face temptations so when you do your first response will no longer be justification because the human brain can justify any kind of sin and make you feel good about it I promise you that but now your first default response will rather be the word of God that has now become internalized and is a part of you because the word of God can pierce the darkness. Speak truth, speak healing over your mind, over your brain, over your body, over this rewiring that's going on. There's power in just saying the audible name of Jesus Christ out loud over your life. There's power in every single word that's in your Bible. Speak it out loud. And so eliminate the avenues of attack. Speak truth over your brain, body, and soul. And last but not least, let Jesus murder the lion. In the Bible, um, God is also portrayed as a lion. But a lion that the lion of sin is absolutely no match for. Understand that. And you cannot kill it. You cannot transform your heart. You cannot rewire your brain. You cannot uproot the things that, needed, that need to be uprooted, but God can. And grace is violent when it needs to be. And since grace is a person and his name is Jesus Christ, stay near to him and ask him to change your heart. But keep in mind, that's a dangerous prayer because it, it, it comes with uprooting roots and conviction and things like that can sting and hurt, but that's not the worst thing in the world, I promise. Sobering truth, uprooting the nastiness and planting beautiful new hope for a future. Control what you can control. Pray the things that you can pray. Eliminate the avenues of attack where you can protect what you can protect. Speak what you can speak. Do your part. And then let your ferocious heavenly father do the rest. This might've been something that you've been in for two years, five years, 10 years. And this might be a battle ahead for you. But I promise you, if it's a, a five day battle, if it's a five year battle, it is worth fighting every single day of it. Every single day. God has so much more in store for you. And you're white as snow, but sin comes with consequences. We all know that. And if this is your specific area of struggle, this is one of the consequences. But neuroplasticity works in the other direction too. Combined with the gospel and the blood of Jesus Christ, sin no longer has dominion over your life. God has so much more in store for you in regards to relationships, marriage, intimacy, sex. 
do not conform to the patterns of this world. Millions will. But millions are also unsatisfied and miserable on most days. Let us be a generation that shatters statistics of divorce and sets a new standard of love and what it looks like. Not just here, not just here, but out here. Amen? All right, would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for my friends in this room. God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that there's power in saying the very name of Jesus Christ. And so I say it over my friends right now, Jesus Christ. Break chains in this room in the name of Jesus Christ. Rewire brains in this room in the name of Jesus Christ. Help us to accept grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Break strongholds in the name of Jesus Christ. Transform hearts in the name of Jesus Christ. Remind us that you have something better, something bigger, something more in store for us that we have forgotten in the name of Jesus Christ. God, we love you so much. And we go from here understanding that this might be a battle. But as we walk through the valley, you're with us every step of the way. We do not set up shop in the valley or make camp in the valley. We walk straight on through it no matter how long it is with you by our side. Thank you for being so good. Thank you for being so ferocious. We pray that tonight glorified you. We pray that we have taken ground for your kingdom. And we pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said... Amen. Would you guys stand up? Let's sing to our God.